Okay, I guess we're ready. Um, if, do you, if you have a handout, um, that's the outline I'm going to be using for today, for this morning. As we consider Second um, John, um, this particular epistle is more or less a personal letter. Um, some believe that it was written to a church. Others believe that John is writing to this individual called the elect lady and her children. But regardless of which view someone takes, the scriptures that we find here are important for us as believers because they do give testimony to Christ and they give important information that we might understand how we are to receive others who also preach Christ or supposedly do preach Christ. So let us begin by reading the passage. It's not too long, only 13 verses. <clears throat> the elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. For the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us, and shall be with us forever. Grace be with you, mercy and peace, from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth as we have received of commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after this commandments. This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you that bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed. For he that biddeth him God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face, that our joy may be full. Thy, the children of the elect sister greet thee. Amen. Well, here we have um, a relatively short epistle, but one, as you can see, speaks to some very important matters concerning believers. And we find that today in the world in which we live in, this epistle becomes just as important 
to our understanding of who we are to receive the message of Christ from as it did in the first century. And that is the wonderful thing about the Word of God is it remains relevant because we understand that the Word of God is truth. It is revealed truth given to us by God. Yes, through the apostles and prophets, but nonetheless it is revelation which we would not otherwise have except God give it. It is not of man, it is of God. And so in your outline uh, that you have in front of you, uh, these are the areas we'll be looking at. As believers, we are to dwell in the truth, which truth is forever. We find the reoccurring word truth throughout the short epistle. And we understand that this truth is a forever truth. Now, in a society that keeps changing and uh, is very relative in relationship to truth, this becomes important to us as believers, doesn't it? That we realize that the Word of God is truth and that we are to remain in that truth and that truth is a forever truth. It is not uh, passing away, but rather it is forever the same truth. And so it means great, a great deal to us as we consider the person and work of Jesus Christ. Secondly, as believers, we are exhorted to walk in the truth because of the commandment we have received of the Father uh, to walk in the truth. So um, as much as John was encouraging this uh, elect lady and her children, we also need encouragement to walk in the truth, you see. Um, because every day we are faced with a great deal of information. And some of that information becomes very conflicting. And if you consider the information that the world gives you, it impacts faith. That is, it, it really comes against what we believe and why we believe the things that we believe. And, uh, of course, the things that we do. And so this becomes a very important part of our witness for Christ, is to remain in the truth. Thirdly, as believers, we are to abide in the doctrines of truth, which truth is of the Father and the Son. You see how each one of these actually builds on the other as John works through this epistle. And now he comes right down to the point where he says, we have truth, and this truth is from the Father and the Son, and this truth is something that we need to abide in, and it is the doctrine which we ourselves need to ascribe to. You see how important it becomes. Even at the communion table, what we just spoke of concerning the communion, that is truth. It is the truth of the Word of God, and we need to abide in that truth. We need to remember it. We need to practice it. We need to consider its value and how that it, how that it takes um, a great deal of definition in our lives. It, it defines us. And truth, it does this. And then the last one, of course, as believers, we are to receive no other teaching nor person bearing a message who does not confess Christ in his incarnation 
death, burial, and resurrection. Now I added one element that we perhaps don't normally add. We usually say the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ according to the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. And that is true. But the one that precedes that and makes that all possible is the incarnation. And that is why I put that in there. Because when somebody comes knocking on your door, or you are confronted by someone who is saying something different, or that you, you hear some, some part of the message which doesn't quite come together with what you understand and know about the doctrine of Christ, you need to remember that these four areas, beginning with the first one, becomes a defining part of Christology, the doctrine of Christ. Christology is the doctrine of Christ. Of course, it's one of the ologies of systematic theology. And though you haven't studied systematic theology, it is, it is part of what the Bible talks about, you see. And if you just remember the word Christology, it is saying, I believe the doctrines of Christ. I believe the doctrines of Christ. I don't believe the doctrines of, of Mormonism. I believe the doctrines of Christ, you see. I don't believe the doctrines of Jehovah Witness. I believe the doctrines of Christ. Or you can pick any other group. Uh, so we have to define those doctrines in the scriptures, and, and Christology does that. So let's look at these four areas here this morning. Well, I have 15 minutes left, so I guess I'm going to have to really jump to it, am I? <laughs> but we'll, we'll try to do what we can, okay, as quickly as possible. <clears throat> okay, first of all, verses 1 through 3, as believers we are to dwell in the truth, which truth is forever. And that, that's what John begins to write. He, he identifies himself as elder, the elder unto the elect lady and her children, and John doesn't use the word apostle, though he is one. Um, at this time, it is believed it's somewhere around 85 to 95 AD that this particular epistle was written. Your Bible may say 95 or 90 AD. And so we understand John is, is probably at the end of his uh, earthly life by about maybe five years. And... Um, he has left the island of Patmos. He's probably at Ephesus, and uh, he's involved in teaching. Um, he has a great deal of influence in, in writing, and uh, he is the last of the apostles. And so um, he, it is believed that he knows this particular lady, and uh, perhaps uh, understanding the first century church, and if this is around 90 to 95 A.D., it's before Constantine, who came on the scene in, in 330, about 330 A.D., and so that's when the organized church began to really take off because Constantine kind of opened the doors for everybody to be a Christian who wanted to be a Christian, more or less simply by saying, I want to become a part of an organization. But understanding that within the first century, most of the churches were really just small groups meeting together in homes or in villages where they met with someone or in someone's dwelling, more or less. 
And so this elect lady, um, she could, could very well have been uh, a woman who perhaps had meetings in her home, allowed meetings in her home. Part of, you might think of Lydia in the Old Testament and how she was meeting and the Lord opened her heart and, and all of a sudden, you know, the gospel began to spread. Well, Lydia, of course, was a seller of purple. She, that is, she, made, uh, she dyed fabric. And so she was somewhat of a merchant, evidently. And you might think of Phoebe in the New Testament and how that she was a deaconess. And you might think of Aquila and Priscilla and uh, how that they became involved with the, the, uh, uh, the teaching of Apollos more perfectly about the baptism of Christ because he only knew about repentance. So, you know, someone like this person wouldn't have been unheard of. Uh, a lady who had children, perhaps had meetings in her home, known by the Apostle John, wanting to uh, continue faithful, um, John writes to her. And even third, third John uh, has, is something very similar, which I'll be speaking to in the afternoon. I'll be going through that. But in this particular case, we find John identifies himself as elder. And of course, the word elder is presbyteros. It's the same word we use today for a board of elders, presbyteros, same thing. Um, and uh, so it wasn't just that he was an older person, though he was older, certainly, um, but he was an elder. He was teaching at Ephesus and and had great influence in the church and, and uh, ministered to people. And, uh, and so he was an elder. Elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth. Whom I love in the truth. We're all here because we love one another in the truth. It isn't that we don't love other people, but because of the truth and we know the truth, we love one another. And so here John, he writes, he writes this, Whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but, all, but also all they that have known the truth. And so you may ask yourself, do you love other believers in the truth as well as the ones that you know? You see, you should, right? You, you should love believers wherever they are. Because if they're true believers, they believe in the incarnation of Christ. They believe in the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ. They believe in the ordinance of the communion. They believe in the ordinance of baptism. They believe in that body of truth, which we know to be the gospel of Christ, you see. And so John adds that. He adds that right in. Verse 2, For the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us, and shall be with us forever, for the truth's sake. Notice that this word truth uh, keeps popping up here in these verses, in verse 1, in verse 2, in verse 3, in verse 4. It's a, it's a, a, a word that keeps coming back because it cements us together concerning who Jesus is and what the Word of God has to say about Jesus, you see. So it's, it's important. It's important to know truth. Truth. Not as Pilate, you know, Pilate said, what is truth? Well, you know, he was a, a Roman and 